You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 20, Relating with People Who Talk Too Much. A listener in Florida contacted me recently about a problem they were having that I sometimes have. People who talk too much. People who talk at you rather than with you. It's so very draining, this listener commented. Well, I can certainly relate. Just a few days ago, I was at a coffee shop waiting for my friend David to show up to help me with my website. The place was crowded and the only empty table was next to a group of three guys, one of whom was very loud and who talked nonstop. He was holding court for his two friends, who could not have talked even if they had wanted to. He had captured all the available airtime for himself and wasn't going to release any of it for anyone. Watching his friends being talked at like this made me wonder, why do they put up with him? While waiting for my friend, I just wanted peace and quiet so I could think. It was really quite annoying to be so close to what seemed to be this self-absorbed man who appeared to be rolling over his two friends with his inexhaustible amount of verbiage. Like my listener friend in Florida, we all know people like this. They can be exhausting. When they are not talking about themselves, they may pause to ask a question, but then very soon turn the spotlight of the conversation back onto them. It's like playing tennis where the talker serves the ball, you as the listener volley a response back, But then instead of hitting the ball back to you, the talker keeps it on his side of the net. How do you relate with a person like this? Do you avoid them? Do you fight for airtime? Well, this is the subject of today's show. How do I relate to people who talk too much? I don't know if this would work for our listener friend from Florida, but in my bitter moments, when I'm not my usual self, I would begin to deal with this annoying problem of someone talking too much by focusing first on me. That's right, with me. I would deal with me first. I would do so by asking myself a bunch of questions, because often the solution to our difficulties arise out of the questions we ask. Let's use my recent coffee shop experience with the dominating talker as an example. Here's what I would need to ask myself in situations like this. And by the way, I'll have these questions in the show notes below at the, at the end of the episode. First off, I would ask myself, why does this annoying person bother me so much? You know, the two friends of Mr. Talker Man were obviously not bothered by him. Why am I? They chose to meet up with him at the coffee shop, so there must have been some perceived benefit in getting together with him. But why did it bother me and not them? While they had a choice to be in his presence, I did not. The only available table for me was right next to him. Could my lack of a reasonable choice be why I was bothered so much? Well, I think there's more to it than just that. The second question I would have to ask myself is, 
What need do I have in this situation that is not being met? The need for peace and calm so I can think and reflect was what was on my mind. But a busy coffee shop may not be the best place for this. So it may be my fault for having this unrealistic expectation that I would find peace and calm in a busy coffee shop. Maybe what I needed was to at least have my need for calm and quiet to be acknowledged. But then how would Mr. Talkerman or anyone know that's what I needed? People aren't mind readers. I didn't even know what I needed until I thought about it later. Well, another question to ask myself is this. Does this situation trigger something else going on inside of me? Does it remind me of something else? And if so, what is it? Yeah, I've been in conversations with people who talk at me like our Florida listener, where I feel like I've been pushed into a corner with a tsunami of words, where I don't get a turn to talk. Maybe that's it. I just want a turn. I don't want to hear a monologue. I'd like to be in a dialogue. Maybe this situation reminds me of other conversations in the past where a dominating talker has little or no interest in what I have to say. And maybe this event is just triggering my feelings of being marginalized in other areas of my life. Hmm. Hmm. Well, another question. Could it be that what is annoying me about this person is a flaw I have myself? Is it possible I'm not much different than the person who annoys me? Ouch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can recall having a conversation with friends when I've been so animated but realized later I talked way too much. Well, I'm going to have to try harder next time to keep this under tow. So those are just some examples of questions we can ask ourselves when we are with people who annoy us. So now that I've done some self-examination of myself, it would be helpful to consider the annoying person, the dominant talker, by asking a bunch of questions of ourself about the other person. For example, we can ask ourselves, how did they get this way with talking too much or any other annoying behavior that bothers us? What was their upbringing like? Did they come from a large family? Did they have no voice? Did they have to fight for airtime? I know this is an issue for a particular friend of mine who does come from a large family. And because of that, this person, as the youngest, often did have to fight for airtime. And consequently, in adulthood, this person does tend to go on a bit longer than most people. But I'm wondering if it because it's because of the, the background that they came from. Well, second question is, is this. What is the payoff for the person to dominate conversations like they do? You know, every behavior has a payoff. It has some benefit to it. Otherwise, we would not engage in that behavior. I wonder what it is for dominating talkers. I wonder if it could be the need to be the center of attention to feel good about oneself. I, I wonder if he's afraid of people getting too close to him relationally, that he takes over the airwaves to protect himself from others getting to know him. Hmm. Here's another question we can ask ourselves about the other person. Could talking too much be a strategy they developed years ago when they were younger that worked for them then, but now it's doing just the opposite? 
You know, we sometimes do this when we've come from a dysfunctional childhood. We develop skills that helped us survive back then, but we continue to use them in the here and now as adults, even though they're no longer appropriate or helpful. That happens sometimes. Another possibility could be that talking too much could be one area that this person can exert a measure of control. Perhaps they lack control in other areas of their life, and this is one part of their life where they do have control. Talking. Still another question is this. Could it be that the talker is just self-absorbed, or is he or she just lonely? There's a fascinating article by Peggy Noonan in our recent uh, Wall Street Journal article about the manufactured political strife in our country. And she kind of quotes in passing an Irish uh, proverb. You know, she's Irish herself. And she quotes this uh, Irish saying that goes like this, contention is better than loneliness. You know, we do all kinds of things to combat the loneliness that many of us feel. And maybe people who talk too much are doing just that, combating the loneliness. I've got a a story that that illustrates this really, really well, I think. It happened several years ago. I was in a Bible study where I was the leader. It was a small group of people who were very verbal, and we always had really interesting discussions. We had one problem, however, and it was one of the people in the group talked way too much. And uh, her her name, I'll give her her name, Mary. That's not her real name. But anyway, Mary would, um, uh, she never missed an opportunity to talk. And it started to drive other people nuts. And so several of them came to me and said, hey, what are we going to do about Mary? She's really kind of wrecking the group. She just talks and talks and talks. And I said, well, I suppose somebody ought to talk to her, and I, I guess I'm, since I'm the leader, I'm going to have to do that. I just hated the thought of doing that. <laughs> Who wants to confront people about something that's, that's kind of sensitive to, uh, like this? Well, anyway, I just prayed about that and said, where? I just asked God to show me how I could really handle the situation. Well, one day, out of the blue, uh, Mary shows up in my office. Uh, when This is when I was still doing my recruiting business. I think she came to pick up something. And so she sat down in my office, and we were just making small talk. And I, I just said to her, you know, Mary, I noticed that when we have discussions in the group, uh, you always volunteer. And I appreciate that. That's great that you're volunteering. But because you volunteer so much, it really prevents other people from volunteering, from talking. And I'm just kind of wondering why you do that. Now, that was a pretty bold statement. I just really cringed inside even thinking that I was going to ask that. It didn't bother her a bit. And without missing a beat, she said, well, it's really because I'm lonely. I just think that if people knew more about me and knew more about what I think, that uh, they might like me more and I wouldn't be so lonely. And I think I'm quoting it almost verbatim uh, in, in, in what she had told me in that conversation. And my heart just went out to her that time. You know, she went from at one second being a real nuisance and annoyance to the next minute. I just really had compassion on, on her for for feeling that way. You know, she was a divorced mother with two young kids that were a handful and her job was difficult and 
you know, her, her life was hard. So she was, she was combating the loneliness by talking. But her goal was really to be more connected with other people. And so I don't remember the exact words I used, but I, I strongly suggested, I think you would be, I think you would, you would be able to connect better with people if you listened a lot more and let other people talk. And she received that very well. And she wasn't upset. She came back to the group and she did change. It was, it was rather remarkable. But when I saw that quote from uh, Peggy Noonan about contention is better than loneliness, it, it so reminded me of that, that, that oftentimes the dysfunctional behavior that we see in other people is really a, a way of um, compensating for something going on deeper inside of them that, that we're not aware of. You know, it would have been really easy to have written Mary off as just being self-absorbed, but there was something deeper going on uh, inside of her. She was just lonely. You know, it's a lot trickier when it comes to dealing with our friends who talk too much or otherwise annoy us. It's a lot harder to do with that, like I did with Mary, than it is with strangers. In asking ourselves these questions about other people, keep in mind that a lot of them begin with, I wonder. I wonder. You know, we're not trying to analyze people. We're not trying to make any kind of um, pronouncements about them. But we want to have a holy curiosity. I've used that expression before. A holy curiosity about other people, about why they might be the way they are. So keep keep that in mind. It's not a way. It's not a means of judging people. It's really a means. Of, these questions are really a means to try to come to some understanding. And and we need to hold these questions really loosely, to always be open to the possibility that what we think might be going on may not really be accurate. But it's a way to get started. It's a way to um, really try to enter into the life of another person to understand why they are the way they are. So if we could return to the example that I started this episode with, the, uh, the, the dominant talker in the coffee shop, it, it raises another question for me, and that is, how can I be more like the friends of that talker and embrace who the talker is rather than wanting to flee from him? I wonder about that. I also wonder, would setting a boundary with people like this be a good idea? Or would it be just an excuse to be self-protective and to distance myself? Another question that comes to mind is, how much energy do I have available for this kind of relationship with someone that talks all the time? If I invest more fully in this relationship, will it take me away from other relationships that are of a higher priority? And then I think, should I have a heart-to-heart talk with my friend who may be annoying me about one thing or another, like I did with Mary? I remember a a fellow that uh, used to work for me years ago in my recruiting business. You know, that's the kind of business where you're on the phone all day long. And we would have weekly coaching sessions, uh, me with him and the other recruiters on the staff. And one of the things that he did that kind of annoyed me, I mean, you can hear him in the office, he would begin every conversation with, let me ask you this, let me ask you this. It was just a long series of, let me ask you this. And I'm thinking, you know, if I'm on the other end of the line, I would just rather him ask me the question instead of prefacing every time with, let me ask you this. So when we had one of these coaching sessions, I asked him, 
Um, we'll call him Tom. Let's say, Tom, Tom, I notice you, you begin every sentence, every question was, let me ask you this. Why, why not just ask the question instead of going through that, that preface? And he said um, he wasn't quite sure why he did it. Um, he couldn't explain it right away. But then the more he thought of it, he said, you know, I think I do that because uh, I'm trying to think in my mind, what am I going to ask? Well, that answer just really helped me because it just showed me that he was trying to be careful and and thoughtful. And yeah, maybe he should think about that before he picks up the phone. But at least it it helped me to understand him a little bit better. And I remember from that point on, really not being annoyed by that. I was trying to cut him some slack. So I, I just find that so often, if we just ask the question of why people do what they do, that oftentimes that can really minimize our our annoyance with them. It, it speaks to the principle that the more we know about each other, the less inclined we are to sin against each other. I found that to be so true. It was true with my experience with Mary and her talking so much in the Bible study and my experience with Tom in being kind of verbose on his phone calls. My heart toward both of them changed once I knew more about them. And the way I got to know more about them was simply to ask. Well, we're almost done with the questions we we can be asking ourselves, but two really important ones are, are these. And the first one is, why is it hard for me to look upon people like the dominant talker? Why is it hard for me to look upon them with compassion, like Jesus did? You know, Jesus looked out on the crowd and the phrase, they were like sheep without a shepherd. It just truly moved him. Why, why can't I be more like that? I think I need to be more like that. I want to be more like that. And then finally related to it is, how can I show grace and cut, cut people some slack? People that talk too much, people that are annoying me, how can I show some grace and cut them some slack? That's a great challenge for me. Maybe not for you, but it is for me. Well, before I close, here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. People who annoy us often expose hidden issues within us that when exposed and dealt with can really lead to us having more fulfilling relationships with people. Here's a way you can respond to to today's show. Think of an annoying person in your life and ask yourself the questions I suggest and see if it doesn't move the needle of your compassion meter just a little more into the positive zone. And you'll find those questions in the show notes. Well, coming up next week, I will talk about the most important relationship of all. Everything else isn't even close. It's the most important relationship of all. And as if that was not enough, I'll answer the most common question I get about this podcast, namely, who in the world is Carol? (laughs) So be sure to tune in next week to find out. I hope you found today's episode beneficial in considering the issue raised from our listener in Florida, how do I relate to people who talk too much? I'd love to hear from more of you about relationship issues or questions on your mind. As long as they're not dating questions, I'll leave that to the gazillion of other podcasts that focus on that. You can send me any other kind of relationship issue or question to my email address, john at caringforothers.org.
Finally, if you'd like to help see this podcast grow, please write a brief review in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I would greatly appreciate that as it would help get the word out about what we are doing. And now to close with our relationship quote of the week. It's this. The only questions that really matter are the ones you ask yourself. And that comes from Ursula Le Quinn. She's a 20th century American novelist, and I think she died just about a year ago. Well, that's it for today's episode. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Bye for now.